Good health is a crown worn by the healthy that only the ill can see. Your health really is your wealth. Join us for the next hour as we explore disease and attaining and maintaining good health. This is Dischem Medical Monday, brought to you by Dischem, pharmacists who care. And good morning to you. I'm Kathy Kayla, and this is, in fact, Dischem Medical Monday, and I will be with you for the next hour. And uh, thank you so much to my sound engineer, Craig, for joining us this morning. You know, it's not often that celebrity news makes any impact on our lives. Let's face it, usually celeb news is just inane and it's superficial. And it's facts about people we'll never meet, and sometimes non-facts too. And uh, we'll never meet them. And it's about stories about their engagement with the world and engagement with other people that we'll also never meet. So who really cares? But cast yourself back to 2013. In 2013, actor Michael Douglas publicly accused his wife, Catherine Zeta-Jones, of giving him tongue cancer from through oral sex. Mm, remember that. Well, after we got over the shock of knowing the sexual behavior of a couple we'll never meet, we asked ourselves what Douglas was talking about. Could it be? Could it be that one partner can give another partner cancer? Can cancer be catchy? It turns out there is actually a factual basis for Douglas's claims. More than most other celebrity stories, Michael Douglas inadvertently shone a spotlight on a condition that can have very serious consequences. Think about it. Tongue cancer, throat cancer, and was caused by his wife through oral sex. The actor since apologized after spending time in a dog box, I'm sure. So what was the factual basis for Douglas's claim? Well, there's a little virus that women carry. It's called the human papilloma virus, and it can, and it can cause cancer not only in ourselves as women, but for our partners. I am referencing the human papillomavirus today. We call it by just three letters, HPV. German researcher Harold Zuzhausen, uh, he identified the types of HPV that cause cervical cancer 34 years ago. In fact, there are lots of different kinds of papillomaviruses, but uh, two of them that cause cancer or have been connected to cancer, 4.5% of all cancers, in fact, is caused by HPV-16 and HPV-18. And uh, he won the the Nobel Prize in 2008 for that. It's an important health issue, and so I've invited gynecologist and obstetrician Dr. Hilton Sevitz in studio to shed light on the virus. As always, I would love to hear from you. You're welcome to send through your questions for Dr. Sevens, and you can do that on Telegram. That number, if you have the app, is 061-895-1019, but you know that already. You can also uh, send us an SMS on 34519 if you have the HiFM app, which is absolutely free, and we don't track your data, which you need to know. Um, you can also just send us a message directly. So... Let's do that. By the way, if you want to send through any anonymous messages, 
and you don't mind me seeing your name, I don't know, maybe it'll come up, maybe it won't. But um, just sign it anonymous and I won't sign and I won't uh, attribute it to you. Welcome, Dr. Sevitz. In researching this show, I was surprised to learn that HPV is the most common STI in the United States. That's a sexually transmitted in infection, I think it is. How common is it in South Africa? I mean, you work in the hospitals, you've also got mm. private practice, but you work in the public hospitals and uh, academic hospitals. Do we have any idea? I'm not aware of any data of how common it is. Okay. You know, in the United States, the estimate is that at some stage of their life, 40 to 50 million women will be infected with this virus. Um, but, you know, like many things in South Africa, we just don't have the data. How do people get the <clears throat> virus? Essentially, it's transmission um, from one person to the next. It's, you know, I always think of it as a, a huge family of viruses. There are subtypes of the virus. And in fact, to date, over 200 subtypes have been identified. Some of them cause problems on the cervix or the vulva or the penis of the male. It can, occurs in both males and females. Some of them cause warts on your hands or feet. Some of them cause problems in the mouth or the throat, as you alluded to earlier. And Not me, Michael Douglas, actually. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, and depending on the subtype, it'll depend on what part of the body uh, becomes infected. So it's transmitted, as I say, from one person to the next, not necessarily sexually. Um, you know, if you scratch some, a wart on someone's hand and you could transmit it to another person. And if that, that wart was, oh, so, all right, you, you may or may not be able to answer this, but how, how many, are all warts caused by HPV? Just like all cold yeah. sores are, are caused by, um, um, what's it, herpes? Herpes. I don't know. I would assume so. I would assume, I'm assuming HPV is a factor in it. Uh, but you know, dermatologist would give you a better answer than I would. Okay, so As the sexual, the ones that affect the sexual organs, let's call it the cervix, the vagina, the vulva, the penis, I think virtually always will have HPV. Okay, so why is the f the focus primarily on women? If both genders can keep it, and j both genders can have it. Or carry it, if I can put it yeah. that way. Um, I suppose women always get blamed for these things, but yeah, you know, it's it's as common in males. It's not as obvious in males, uh, but it definitely occurs. And cancer of the penis is attributed to this as well. Yeah. So I think it's just a matter of blaming the woman rather than the male, and a sort of a, a male dominant factor. That's a terrible thing to say, Doctor Sevitz. That's a terrible thing to say. But I, I think you it's know, true. So in, in researching um, this topic today, I came across, I think it was something by the, um, what's the American? The Center for Disease Control. CDC, yeah. The CDC. And one of the things that they said is that women, we have a, a natural immunity. And generally, you might get the virus and then your immunity will keep it at bay and it will fight it. Is that true? Yeah, absolutely, because 
you know, as I said earlier, 40 or 50 million women in the United States have the virus at some stage of their life. 40 or 50 million women don't develop cancer. So your immune system plays a very big role that it will destroy the virus before it can sort of um, carry on to more disease, more severe disease. Um, and that applies to viruses in general. You know, we don't have treatment for any virus. Um, it's your immune system that is going to kill that virus. You know, if you take colds or flu, for instance, there's no treatment for that. You can treat the symptoms. You can treat the cough, the runny nose, etc. But at the end of the day, your immune system has to destroy that virus. I find it absolutely fascinating, this whole study of virus mm. and, uh, and virology. And I know mm. that that's not your field of expertise, but women's health certainly is. Mm. So uh, my guest this morning is Dr. Hilton Savitz. He is a gynecologist and obstetrician in private practice. If you've got any questions for him, can we open it up to any sexual questions? Uh Let's confine it to this rather. Okay, there we go. Let's not get involved in <laughs> others. There we go. Spoken like an academic. 34519 is the SMS line or on Telegram at 061-895-1019. You know, it's so important to do topics like this because often, especially as women, we do things for other people before we'll do them for ourselves. I think that it's just the way that we're wired. And if I can appeal to you to listen listen up for this, because we love our partners and we want to protect them. And it's important. You know, when you have the knowledge, you actually can take action. So we're talking about HPV, the human papilloma virus. And... Uh, my guest is Dr. Hilton Savitz. Now, uh, we're going to be talking a little bit more about it. We're going to be unpacking it a bit more. But before that, I want to ask you, is your shopping list longer and your time shorter? Diskin Delivered has you covered. From healthcare essentials to baby food, beauty and toiletries, whatever you need, Diskim Delivered has you covered. You can download the easy-to-use Diskim app and shop over 7,000 products at install prices that will be delivered to you within 60 minutes. What a treat. Now you can relax while Diskim delivers your essentials to you. It's that simple. Diskim delivered from Diskim to you. Diskim pharmacies, pharmacists who care. This is Medical Monday brought to you with compliments of Diskim, pharmacists who care. I'm Kathy Kayla, and this is Diskem Medical Monday. If you've got any questions for my guest, Dr. Hilton Sevitz, we're talking about HPV this morning. Why? Because it's important. It's important that you know. And, uh, you know, especially you want to have a healthy relationship, and you want to have a healthy relationship in the bedroom. Let's be honest. And that means not having these niggly things worrying. So uh, just be aware of it. Go and get tested we're going to be talking about well we are talking about the human papilloma virus the hpv virus which can cause cancer in uh, i think you gave a figure between 50 and 60 million women in the united states no not that have cancer that carry the virus that at carry some the virus, stage right. at some stage of their life yes so mm. uh, i actually found the following stats that 4.5% of cancers worldwide 
so that's 630,000 new cancers every year, are attributable to HPV. Uh, the breakdown of the HPV, it, it, it accounts for 8.6% in women and 0.8% in men. Uh, in women, in Australia, New Zealand, and the United States, it's less than 3%, which is incredible. And it's, sorry, it's more than 3% in Australia, New Zealand, and the United States, and it's less than 20% in India and Sub-Sahara Africa, which is where, which means that it's telling me that it's actually higher here. In, in, yeah. Do you think that it's just a matter of awareness? Um, I think it's a matter of awareness and a matter of screening yes. that there's a sort of a prodrome, let's call it, prior to developing, let's take cancer of the cervix as an arc, that it goes through what are known as precancerous stages. And the pap smear has been instrumental in picking up those stages, because when one looks at the cervix in a precancerous stage, it looks absolutely normal to the naked eye. But when you take a pap smear and the laboratory looks at that under a microscope, they can see the abnormal cells. And if you can treat it at that point, you then prevent the vast majority from going on to cancer. Some do carry on in, into cancer, but the f very, very few. And in countries where there's pretty much universal pap smear screening, um, United Kingdom, Scandinavian countries and others, they've noticed a massive drop in the incidence of cancer of the cervix. Um, and then the HPV came into play. And I would believe that with HPV vaccines, there's going to be an even further drop. But in countries like Asia, part, uh, Africa, India, uh, India yeah. Pakistan, that part of the world, the vast majority of women never have a pap smear in their lives. And so it's not picked up at the early stage. By the time they are aware that there's something wrong, it's already cancer and it may have spread to other parts of the body. And I think that's the reason for that, that in the developed countries – it's been picked up early or pre-cancer. In the third world countries, um, it's already um, an invasive cancer by the time it's diagnosed. We're talking about HPV, human papillomavirus. My guest is Dr. Hilton Servitz. He's an obstetrician and gynecologist in private practice. He also works at the academic hospitals at uh, Charlotte Matseke, I think, as well. And uh, if you've got any questions, send them through. 34519 is the SMS line. You can also send a telegram on 061-895-1019. I'm Kathy Kayla. This is the Skim Medical Monday. We're doing this show because it's important that you know. And, uh, you know, when we get more information, well, then we take responsibility, well, one would hope. Right. So let's just get back to the virus for one minute. I do want to talk about cervical cancer because that is really, when you look at HPV being effective on 0.8% of men um, who, where they can attribute it to uh, being the cause, it's much, much higher in women with cervical cancer. So let's maybe that's also why it's focused on women. But are, are there any symptoms with the virus? No. There's no symptoms. No. So you don't know if you've got it? Absolutely. And the only way to test for it is? 
either a pap smear, it yeah. will often show up on a pap smear, okay. or to specifically test for the virus, which is a very easy test to be done, yes. that can be done. can be done on the same specimen as the pap smear, or one can take a swab from the cervix and send that to the lab. I think, just to interrupt you for a moment, yeah. I think the reason why it may be a lower incidence in males <laughs> is that the, the cervix is pretty much hidden. Yes. Whereas the penis is much more, you know, one can see something. If something, a lesion develops on the penis, the person's going to become aware of it far quicker than if there's a lesion on the cervix. Does HPV cause lesions? Uh, it causes warts. Yes. Um, and... But the pre-cancer, no, no, that wouldn't be a, a lesion until it's an actual cancer. As I said earlier, the, you look at a cervix in the pre-cancerous stage, it looks absolutely normal. Right. Okay. Do, do genital warts look like normal warts? Uh, I mean, it like sounds like such a blunt question, but it does it. Like, you, do you all warts look the same? Uh, no, warts on the hands of feet would be different to genital warts. Gentle warts are little, let's call them little projections. Yes. Um, they're very obvious. You look at it, you know, you, once you've seen it, you make the diagnosis by just looking at it. You um, know that it's a wart? Uh, it's pretty obvious, yes. yes. In the, unless it's a very, very early wart when it may not be obvious. But once they've developed into the, the, re, the sort of the regular type wart, it's just a matter of looking at it and making a diagnosis. But those are often not pre-malignant. They may not develop into cancer. So it just means that it's being caused by the virus. It doesn't yeah, even necessarily mean that you still have it. Yeah, it's a different subtype of the virus. Of the HPV? The yes, the, to the one that causes cancer. Oh, okay. I, oh, okay. So I was understanding. This is why it's important to have this conversation. No, I was a, understanding that if if somebody had warts either on their hands, their feet, or their genitals, no. that that was HPV. It is HPV. But it's a different subtype. But it's not, sub, it's not subtype 16 or 18. 18 which or one, yeah. One of the cancer causing. Okay. Yes. You know, if we get, get back to the ones that affect the cervix. Yes. They've been subdivided. There's a whole group of them that can affect the cervix. I don't know the number offhand. Uh, but they've been subtyped or subdivided into low risk for cancer and high risk for cancer. Okay. Uh, high risk for cancer, they're about 12 or 13. Uh, the low risk, I'm not, as I said, I'm not sure of the actual number. There's new ones every now and then. Um, but it's a totally s different subtype to the ones that cause wart, genital warts yes. or warts on your hands or feet or lesions in the mouth or the throat. You know, <laughs> it's making me a little bit paranoid, this conversation. So let's, let's talk about the group that is most affected by HPV 16 or 18. Right. And that would be women. Right. Uh, so a man can and, carry And men. And, and men. men. And men. Yes, because they can get it onto their penis. Or yes. they pick it up from a, they pick it up from their sexual partner. Right, and through oral sex they can get it through the, on the tongue and yes. I saw cancer of the tonsils and uh, the throat. Throat and esophagus. And esophagus. So it's, it's, it goes anywhere. Okay, so mm. I feel very disempowered because what we're talking about is a virus that somebody may not know that they're carrying, right? 
Mm. It doesn't have any symptoms. The testing isn't that easy to do, and I imagine it's not easy to do if you're a male. Because how would uh, you test? I mean, with a woman, you can test with a pap smear for the HPV. Male, you take a swab from the tip of the penis. Just a swab? Yeah. Okay. But ho- And hopefully you get the area where there's, you know, the virus may not be on the entire penis, but it's generally fairly well s- sort of spread. So your chances are taking a swab, you will pick it up, here's but the, not 100%. Here's the point that I'm not understanding is that I understand that with a pap smear, it, you know, it, it's kind of like a scratch where, yeah. where you remove, you know, if you, if you think of taking a, a swab from your mouth, right? Mm. So they take cells out of your mouth. Yes. But they don't test the... But with the penis, side. it's external, yeah. right? Yeah. So there's going to be, I don't know, firstly, there's washing. There's physical mm. washing. Right. There's rubbing against clothes. That's Jacob Zuma, yeah. <laughs> right. See, look how well it worked for him. <laughs> okay, but the point is, is that, I mean, is that accurate? Um, it's not 100% by any means, but it's, it's sort of better than nothing. But you can also take a swab. You see, when they test for the virus, they don't look at the cells. Yes. They do what's called a polymerase chain reaction, a PCR. Yes. That amplifies the virus. Um, so they c- you take a swab from the cervix, which you don't necessarily pick up the cells, but they will t- be able to... So they put it in a little Petri dish, and then they put it under the correct well, conditions, I, I and they let it grow. Basically, um, I'm not sure how the PCR is done. You know, okay. you'd have to ask a pathologist that question all rather right. than me. Good, uh, we'll do so. All I do is take the swab or the pap smear, yes, and send it to them, and they take it from there. So, would it, would a, would a man go to his GP to do a swab yeah. if he if he wanted to know if he, if he was carrying it? Um, and I'm talking about specifically um, on the penis, yes. because obviously. If it's on your throat, your tongue, you'll have other symptoms. You'll, you may, you'll, you'll ultimately, yes. Not just just carrying, but if it's if it's changed, right, you're going to mm. have a sore throat that can't be attributed or treated with antibiotics. Yeah, but it could be any virus, quite frankly. Yes, it could be anything with a virus. Um, yeah, the, the GP or urologist, uh, dermatologist, I suppose. Um, you know, anyone who would sort of deal with skin conditions. So it would or genital what is What does cancer on a penis look like? Do you know? Uh, it starts off with a little lump and then it ulcerates. So it becomes an, like an open wound? Yes. And how do, how do you tell the difference between that and a, an STD that will cause um, other illnesses? I suppose a biopsy would be the ultimate Either test. way, you should see a doctor. Oh, yeah, you, know, you wouldn't be able to, you, know, you need to be tested for it. Absolutely fascinating. I'm Kathy Kayla. My guest is Dr. Hilton Sevitz. He is a gynecologist and an obstetrician in private practice. He also does a lot of work at uh, the public hospitals. If you've got any questions about STDs, if you have any questions about HPV, about cervical cancer, then even about, even though he's a gynecologist and you have a penis, and you want to send us a message, 34519 is the SMS line. I'm very happy to keep those anonymous. Just don't sign your name. You can also send me a telegram message on 061-895-1019. And uh, we'll be right back after this. This is Medical Monday brought to you with compliments of Discam, pharmacists who care. 
I'm Kathy Kalin. This is Diskem Medical Monday coming at you live this morning. So if you've got any questions, 34519 is the text line or 061-895-1019 on Telegram. My controller this morning is, well not my controller, let's call him a sound engineer, is Craig Guthrie. You know, it's not often that celebrity news makes any impact on our lives. And usually celebrity news is just inane and superficial facts about people we'll never meet and their engagement with other people that we'll also never meet. But if you cast yourself back to 2013, do you remember that actor Michael Douglas publicly, publicly, I mean, the guy doesn't do anything on small measures, right? He publicly accused his wife, Catherine Zeta-Jones, of giving him tongue cancer. How? Through oral sex. After we got over the shock of knowing the sexual behavior of a couple that we'll never meet, we asked ourselves what Douglas was talking about. Could it be? Could cancer be catchy? Turns out there is a factual basis for his claims. And uh, the actor has since apologized, and I imagine after spending some time in the dog box, <laughs> maybe a lot of time in the dog box, but uh, the the factual basis for his claims is attributed to a virus called the human papillomavirus specifically, the subtype 16 and 18, HPV. It causes cervical cancer in women. It causes penis, throat, tongue, and esophageal cancer in men. That's specifically through oral sex. And we need to know. We need to know about it. Let's just talk about uh, my guest this morning is Dr. Hilton Sevitz. He is a he's an obstetrician. He's a gynecologist. He is in private practice, but he also practices at academic hospital, the Charlotte Matseke. Uh, Dr. Sevitz, cervical cancer. While HPV may not have symptoms, what are the symptoms for cervical cancer? Um, the usual way it presents is with abnormal vaginal bleeding or a vaginal discharge. Um, and things like pain and that are much later stage of the, uh, of the disease itself. Right. So normally abnormal vaginal bleeding. Okay, so that would be bleeding outside of your period. Or after periods have stopped. In the postmenopausal woman, for instance. Okay, that's quite interesting because, for as a woman, for many, many years, I was led to believe that what is termed as spotting is normal. Um, like it's okay, just it's a little bit of spotting. Well, most cases, yes, but not always. Okay. All right. So, early, early onset is in women. Early signs. Are there any other signs, perhaps? Um, I mean, would you feel, as an example, that you perhaps need to pee more often, or you feel not, bloated, or anything no, like no, that? No, nothing like that. No. And then, obviously, once it's advanced, it may spread into other organs and cause problems there. Yes. But that's a very late stage. All right. A message coming through from Helena. Thank you so much, Helena. And Helena says, is female genital reinfection after treatment common? Is it just as ominous? Okay, so let's talk about treatment 
and then we'll answer Helena's okay. question. Thank um, you so much. The answer is very simple. There is no treatment. There's no treatment because you can't treat a virus. Yeah, there's no virus in the world that can be treated. You know, if one thinks about it, if and I'm sure drug companies have been looking for treatment for decades. Well, if they could find a treatment, let's just sort of diverge a bit, but if they could find a treatment for colds or flu, they'd become the richest company in the world. Would they? Yeah, Isn't that a terrible business would, model? Everyone would be buying <laughs> that treatment a couple of times a year. No, that's true, actually. Well, that but, cure, it would just cure you. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. But the bottom line is there is no treatment. Okay, so there's no treatment for HPV. No. All right. So... Is it uh, is female genital reinfection after treatment common? Okay, so it can't be, it can't treat it. No, so, okay, so forget the treatment bit. But can somebody who's had HPV and then their immune system fights it, the virus goes away, can they get reinfected with it? Yes. Do you not then have an immunity to that well, virus? You may have an immunity to that <laughs> subtype. But because there's many subtypes, you may be infected with a different subtype. So actually, so the, the short answer is yes. Yes. You can get reinfected. Infected, particularly if you um, find yourself another sexual partner who may be carrying a different subtype. Yes. This is very, very worrying about, you know, when one thinks about people who might have multiple sexual partners. Well, this is the, you know, the whole thing about cancer of the cervix, that it's the more promiscuous the woman or the man, for that matter, the more likely they are to develop cancer of the cervix or cancer of the penis. And to use an extreme example, Jeez, that's terrible karma. cancer of the cervix is far, far more common in prostitutes than in nuns. I've never actually thought about that, mainly because I don't know either, but... Hmm. That's that's really fascinating. You know, and that's why for many years people have believed that infection played some role in cancer of the cervix. And various organisms have been attributed to it over the years, syphilis, others, until, as you mentioned at the beginning, Harold Zuhausen made the link to HPV in the 1970s or 80s. Yes. Um, but, I mean, they were researching it as early as, I think, 1956. They were, yeah, well, they they were looking with, for it. With but the papillomaviruses. You know, yeah, they didn't, yeah, they didn't have the sort of the knowledge or the expertise to isolate these viruses. Yeah. And he was the first person to make the link. Yeah, won him the Nobel Prize in 2008. I mean, that's... Mm. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I actually read that he was, um, he was instrumental in helping to develop dun, da, 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 the vaccine. Well, yeah, Which I think is incredible. Sure, that because is that was obviously the, the, the follow-on, so to speak. Yes. Can we talk about the vaccination, please? Mm, sure. All right, because it's very disempowering to think that you could have sex with somebody who might be carrying this, might not. There's no way of knowing. There's no way of telling unless they go and they have, you know, tests beforehand that uh, it could be a situation where, I don't know, they could even be carrying it orally. Is that true? Yes. Because it's not only genital. I mean, it could Absolutely. be. Absolutely. Okay, so let's talk about vaccinations because that's mm. what we like. We like to be empowered. All right. Um, when do we have the vaccination? When, in terms of age, you talk. Yeah, yeah, about. yeah. Okay, the vaccine needs to be given before first sexual intercourse. 
because that first intercourse is the one that could be may, the one. may could infect the person. Okay. So it's licensed from nine years of age. Sad to say, but there are nine or ten-year-old girls who are having intercourse, not necessarily voluntarily. Yeah. But yeah, they could, and they could yeah. pick up the infection. Okay. So it needs to be given prior to intercourse, ideally. Um, obviously, if the woman's already or the girl has already had intercourse, still give it to her because it could still protect her for the future. Is it is it one of those uh, vaccinations that you need to keep having boosters, almost like a tetanus, not, not that you that, need to have every few years? Not that we're aware of. It's been a, the vaccine's been around for a, probably twenty twenty five years now. Uh, it was developed, really developed and tested in the early 1990s. Yes. Um, and to date, they're not talking about boosters. Um, you require, there's a series of vaccinations. If the girl or the boy, and there's countries where boys are vaccinated as well. But as, definitely we should be. Yeah. I mean, in wouldn't Australia, you want your son to be vaccinated yeah. against HPV? Sure. Uh, you know, in Australia, it's a norm, for instance, as a one Example is the norm for boys to be vaccinated as well. Okay. But in many countries, it's just the girls. Uh, sexist thing Which is again. Pretty, it's pretty. terrible. It's re- anyway, look, yeah. But um, between nine and fourteen, yes, you have a two-dose regime. In other words, you give a dose today and the second dose six to twelve months later. Okay. From fifteen onwards, you need three doses. Today, or well, the two types, and depending which type you use. So you one dose today, the one type in a month's time, the second one two months' time, and then both six months after the first dose. So you basically have three. Okay. Three. Yeah. All right. So that's the general. I mean that. Um, and then, as I say, at the moment, no one's talking about boosters. So why do we not give it at, at when we give our children their their BCGs and their polio, and why don't we do it then? Has it got know. something to do with sexual development at all? I don't know. I'm I not mean, sure. Wouldn't it be logical then? Yeah. Uh, yeah, what you say does sound logical, but I, I'm not sure why the why it was done this way. Just because then you know that it's Just become done. the standard and this is what the manufacturers recommend. I think it's terrible that we don't vaccinate boys. Hmm. I really... Well, they should, yeah, I, I would agree with you. Get hold of the scam. Get hold of their clinic and schlep your children, your entire family, irrespective of their ages, go and take them and go and get vaccinated against HPV. Is there an age at which is really cut off and it's too late to have um, the HPV? No, they normally, again, it's licensed till 45. After 45, you can't have it in this country? No, you can't. I mean, you, I've given it to people older than 45, particularly if they can have a new partner. You know, she may be negative at 45. She right. doesn't carry the virus. Yes. Um, at 46 or 47, she finds herself a new partner and gets infected. Do you know that I actually saw, <laughs> this is a, a little while ago, um, that the most sexually active group amongst all the demographics are retirees in retirement homes, retirement villages, and in old age homes. Yeah, well, they've got nothing else to do. Oh, stop it. <laughs> okay. um, but, uh, yeah. I, you know, I mean, that, that is the group that would yeah, obviously I mean, also need it as well. Yeah, sure, sure. Okay, so yeah. what does it mean to be licensed um, up until 45? In other words, it's, the country has registered it. Yes. 
That, that's the age group that you give it to. The, the, the but it doesn't mean registering that authority in the country or the manufacturer has recommended that age group. But it doesn't mean that we can't have it. No, you can. You know, after a lot 45. of drugs you give what are called off license. Yes. In other words, it's not registered for that particular disease, but you use it in another disease because it works. Yes. Or it may work. Is it a very expensive vaccination? Um, you're looking about a thousand rand a dose and you'd need uh, in South doses. Africa, I and you need two to three. Um, but you know, for three thousand rand, you're going to be protected, or well, it's not a hundred percent protective against cancer, and I'll come back to that in a second. Uh, but for a th- three thousand rand, if you can save yourself cancer, yes, it's going to be a lot cheaper than treating the cancer. Or even the precancerous change. Mm. Um, as I said earlier, in South Africa, there are two brands available. Mm. Um, overseas, there's a third brand as well. Okay, well, let's talk about South Africa. Let's just keep no, it to but that. I want to okay. I'll tell you. Um, the one is called Cervarix, which is, again, 16 and 18, which is res- responsible for about 70% of cancers of the cervix. Okay. That's why I said earlier it's not 100%. Because there are some of the other high risk cancers, high risk viruses. Okay. Um, then there's a product called Gardasil, which is 16 and 18, and also 6 and 11, which are responsible for genital warts. And then overseas, there's a product called Gardasil 9, which is the four that we've got in South Africa, plus five other high risk subtypes. Um, and whereas the, the South African Gardasil or Cervarix is protective in about 70% of cases, the Gardasil 9 will protect up to 90% of cases. Um, the company have a, that make Gardasil have applied for registration here. Yes. Uh, but the South African Health Products Registering Authority is not very efficient at registering drugs. They applied a few years ago. Unless it's Yeah. <laughs> yes. um, you know, it's a government department, and like all government departments, doesn't f- is not very e- efficient. Yeah. Messages coming um, through. Um, Anonymous says you need the government to give vaccine free, as done in many countries. I would absolutely agree with that. And we should yeah. be giving it at birth. I mean, can you imagine what it would do in a population where so few women have pap smears, have access to gynecology? I mean, Hmm. Dr. Sevitz, you, you work at uh, Charlotte Matseke, right, in, in, the, in the gynecology and obstetrics department there as well as your private practice. Yeah. But, I mean, how many cases are you seeing of cancer? I mean, is, is that quite prominent? Oh, yes. You know, I, in fact, the, the clinic I do there, I only deal with women with abnormal pap smears. I don't do any other clinics there. Okay. All I see are women who've had an abnormal pap smear either coming from private from primary health clinics or GPs or other gynecologists or wherever. Um, and a couple of times a month I see an invasive cancer. We're not talking about the precancerous changes that I've seen, you know, 15, 20 a week. Yes. Um, I, and those are the women who've had smears. Those are not just the general population. Sorry, can I just get back to one yes. thing about the Gardasil? Yes. Uh, in the United States, they only have Gardasil 9, 
They don't have the Gardasil that we've had in this country because obviously it's much more effective. You can't How can get it be them. more effective? Ours yes. only protects against 70%, you said. Yes, whereas the Gardasil 9 protects 90%. Yes, so, so that's it's a much the one more logical want. one to give if you can get it. And, you know, it's about time that they got this drug registered here. You know, it's conversations like this that creates a public awareness. When you have mm. public awareness, you then have people who can advocate. Because that's where it's mm. going to come. We, we know that we live in a world where governments don't do anything unless there is public pressure. Yeah. And uh, I think yeah. that there needs to be. Yeah, uh, I would agree with you about having free vaccine. Go to your local municipal clinic where you're going to get your measles vaccine or your polio vaccine or whatever, and it should be available there. Yeah, your BCGs, your tetanus, all yeah. of that should be part and parcel of this. Because those are can prevent disease. Yeah, but don't give us the junk ones, right? I mean, not to say that they're junk, but we want the best. I mean, we want the, yeah. we at least want access to to have that. So yeah. if you have the money, even if the government doesn't do it, you want to go with the Gardasil 9. It's our understanding. If you can, well, you can't get it here. Well, because it's not licensed, right? Yeah, but you can get, the Gardasil is, and it's better than nothing. Yeah. I'm Kathy Kaler. This is Discam Medical Monday. My guest is Dr. Hilton Sevitz. He is a gynecologist. He's an obstetrician. And we're talking about a virus called HPV. If you are having a sexual relationship, if you're in a sexual relationship with the same person, or perhaps not even with the same person, but, uh, you know, if there's oral sex, if there's normal sexual intercourse, then you need to sit up and listen and uh, take responsibility. If not for yourself, do it for your partner because you love them. But uh, we're going to be talking about HPV. We're going to continue the discussion. We're going to be talking about vaccinations. And uh, before that, though, I want to ask you, is your shopping list longer and your time shorter? Diskim Delivered has you covered. From healthcare essentials to baby food, beauty and toiletries, whatever you need, Diskim Delivered has you covered. You can download the easy-to-use Diskim app and shop over 7,000 products. Oh! In store, uh, at in store prices that will be delivered to you within 60 minutes. What an unbelievable service. Now you can relax while Discam delivers your essentials to you. It's that simple. Discam delivered from Discam to you. This is Medical Monday brought to you with compliments of Discam, pharmacists who care. I'm Kathy Kaler. My guest in studio has been, uh, well, certainly for the last hour. We're going to be wrapping up in the next five minutes. So if you've got a question, then you want to send it through. I'll give you those numbers in a second. But my guest is Dr. Hilton Sevitz. He is a gynecologist. He is a obstetrician. He practice, he's got a private practice in Morningside, I think it is. Morningside, right? And uh, he also practices at, he's, he runs a clinic at Charlotte Matseke. So uh, we've been talking about the human papillomavirus. This is a virus that can cause cancer, especially it is transmitted, especially the subsect or the sub, what's it called? The subtype. Sub the subtype, uh, 16 and 18. It can cause cancer. We're talking cervical cancer in women. We're talking penis cancer in men. If there's oral sex involved and it can work both ways, 
uh, it can cause tongue cancer, throat cancer, and esophageal cancer. All so, terrible. Just to expand, also cancer of the vagina and the vulva can this be caused by the vaccination already. <laughs> no, this is just, it's terrible. It, I mean, I, I know that I'm making light and just saying, let's just go and get the vaccination, but why wouldn't we? You know, it's uh, why wouldn't we? Uh, there's a message that's coming through from Anonymous that says, can HPV uh, be transferred to the baby during delivery? I think that's such a brilliant question. Um, I'm not aware of it. Not that I'm aware of. And, I mean, there must have been millions and millions of babies born through an, a vagina that's infected with a virus. I've not heard of it, but I suppose theoretically it's possible. But I suppose things happen so quickly there, and then the baby's not exposed. I don't know. But and I also don't maybe like because the, the baby, when it's in the amnio, amniotic, amniotic fluid and amniotic sac, yeah, kind of keeps it separate, maybe. And also that amniotic fluid sort of washes the vagina. At the same time. It's like, At the same time. Let's flush everything out. Yeah. Ta-da! So I'm not aware of it, but I suppose theoretically it's possible. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about. Let's get back to what you were talking about. With uh, you wanted to just um, elaborate a little bit more on the vaccinations. Mm. Well, okay, so basically you can have it up from any age, up well, until from any nine. age. From nine, it's licensed. So you can't actually in this country well, give it to children younger, because could, obviously you, they haven't I run suppose, the tests. I imagine. Yeah, you could do it do it off license, so to speak. In other words, you know, it's not licensed to be given, but as I said earlier, many drugs are given off license. Okay, um, my understanding of off license is that Viagra was developed for women and for heart heart issues in no, women. No, 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 no. But when it's used for erectile dysfunction, that's off license, no? No, no, no. Off license means you're using a drug outside of what, outside it's, of what it's been indicated for. In other words, you've got a drug for high blood pressure. Yes. But you find it works for something else. But it's not registered for that particular condition. That's what I mean by off-license. Can you still do it, though? I mean, would it, you would can, it be legal to... It's, to well, it's not legal, and if something went wrong, you could be in trouble. Yeah. But it's used all over the world all the time. Absolutely fascinating. I'm looking at the time. I cannot believe how fast this hour has gone. Mm. Dr. Sevitz, thank you very, very much for... Coming into studio on this public holiday <laughs> for your time and especially for your knowledge, for your expertise and for just being so generous and wanting to share it with us. My pleasure. Thank you very, very much. That's Dr. Hilton Sevitz. He is a gynecologist and an obstetrician in private practice. He also uh, runs a clinic at the Charlotte Mateke Hospital, Academic Hospital. And that is where we leave it. For this week, I will be back on your radio, please God, next week for Discam Medical Monday. Thank you so much to my engineer, to Craig Guthrie, and uh, to you. Thank you so much for all your messages. Thank you for staying tuned, and I wish you a wonderful, wonderful, healthy week. I'm Kathy Kayla, and this has been Discam Medical Monday. Bye.